Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. Welcome back. I'm so excited to have you here. I love doing this show because it gives me an opportunity to really sit down actually and reflect on the many leadership lessons that I have experienced, that I've learned. It gives me the opportunity to kind of go back in time and for, for some of these stories I'm sharing and really sit with how they shaped how I see the world, how they shape my leadership, how they shape how I build organizations, how they shape just who I am in the world. So if you had the opportunity to listen to episode eight, I talked about um, other people's limitations and lower standards or having different standards for different groups of people inside of organizations and the negative impact that that can have, not only for you as a leader, but also on your people, right? So how does it affect, if you have a different standard for people in your tech department than your HR department, how does that affect both of those groups of people? What conflicts come as a result of those different standards or different expectations? So I grew up in a time when, and, and I've, I've shared a lot of this, but I, I, I was in the United States Marine Corps. And at the time that I served, there were some very different standards for women than there were for men. And what it created was a culture where people were often viewed as not being good enough, not being welcome, not having anything to contribute. And so, you know, the, the kind of personality that I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm a, I, I love to do well. I love to be successful. I love to kick the doors down, if you will, and, and the things that I do, the things that I set my mind to. And I remember that this whole idea of different standards for, for me compared to some of my colleagues, my male colleagues, always just really caused me to scratch my head. But they were also really critical lessons in how organization and organizational culture can be shaped. So I remember this time, I was by now a, a, a relatively senior leader, and I wanted to, or I actually participated in an advanced uh, educational, an advanced school. And in this particular school, there were some of us who are more advanced leaders. Uh, I was taking on a new, a new role, a new job that required new technical expertise. And I, uh, I, I was in an environment where there were a lot of brand new, you know, people brand new in their career. So just learning their career. And so I, you know, I'm there and I'm, I'm getting myself acclimated. I was one of probably three women if that, uh, in probably an environment of about 100, uh, 100 people. And, but that didn't really deter me. I, I'm kind of singularly focused. I'm very mission focused. And, you know, so I was there to learn all I could learn. And the other part of being in this particular environment was I had about 
20, probably about 20 young people. This is, this is, when I say young people, they were new in their career. They were, as we would say, they were new, new Marines, um, but who reported to me. So I had some responsibility, not only for them, they were not people I knew, did not know them in advance. Uh, and so I had not only the responsibilities for making sure that they were doing the things that they needed to do uh, and, and really being a leader for them because they were so new and they were so kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to kind of make sure that they didn't get involved in anything that would actually derail their career right off the bat. And so, you know, I went in this environment ready to, ready to do what I do, lead people. And conversely, I was there to learn. So I had sort of these two, these two aspects. And so I got in there and got my, uh, my, my 20-some people and started to work with them and made sure that, you know, they understood the, the, the rules of the game that they were in. They had to show up. They had to show up on time. They had to, you know, have themselves together. They had to, you know, have gone through all of their morning routines and activities, show up on, actually show up a little bit early, you know, be in their seats in the classroom environment and be ready to go. So there wasn't any, there wasn't any latitude or room to, to do anything but be excellent. That's, that's frankly the way I lead. It's the way I am. Uh, in the world. And particularly then I was very much uh, focused on that. I was a firm believer in guiding people and mentoring people and making sure that people showed up well, um, because it was important not only for my leadership, but it was also important for them and their career, their, their career path. So this went on for, I can't remember, I think maybe I was there for a month or two and, you know, focused on my people making sure that I was out, you know, doing the things that I needed to do to keep myself physically fit, uh, making sure that I was studying and, and doing all of those things that were required of the school environment, giving counsel and mentorship and leadership to all of the young people who were under my, under my responsibility, under my leadership. And of course, in our environment, I had someone who was over me. So I had someone who was more senior to me, who I had to basically check in and report to. So this, this gentleman um, was really always very standoffish. He didn't engage with me much. He didn't talk to me much, nothing. He pretty much left me to my, to my own devices. And so I had a couple of issues with uh, some of my young people going out in town and buying cars at 40% interest rates and then the cars blowing up because <laughs> that's what they were designed to do. But the young person had signed a contract and so they were pretty much stuck, uh, you know, but they had violated what I'd said is don't go out and buy a brand new car unless you have, you know, one of the more senior leaders with you. So this, this, my time in this school environment got close to winding down and my, my senior leader uh, finally walked over to me one day and said, I need to apologize to you. So I stopped, I looked at him. Because I'm like, well, I'm, I don't know why I need to apologize. In my own mind, I was saying this because you haven't, we haven't engaged. We haven't had any interactions. And he said, you know, could you come sit down, please? So came and I sat down and he said, I've been working on your, uh, your evaluation here in the school because we were getting to the near the end of our time uh, in the school environment. And they would give us an evaluation on our performance, our academic performance, and then our leadership performance. And he said to me, I was sitting down to write up your evaluation. And he said, I realize I owe you an apology. So I'm all ears. I'm like, okay, but, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know anything really about you because we haven't had any interaction. And he said, you know, where I come from in my my particular unit. So he came from someplace far away. I think he was in, I don't remember, maybe might have been in California. We were in, in Virginia. And he said, all the women that are in our unit, they just don't do a lot. They always complain. And, you know, they never try, they never try really to, 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 to be better. And so I'm listening to him and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking back to something I shared in episode eight, where low standards applied to one group and not another creates resentment and creates bias and creates uh, dis, uh, the, the, the opportunity to be dismissive. So he, he continued to, to look at me and talk and he said, of all the women that I've ever served with, he said, you're the first, you're the first that led and led really well. He said, you're the first that didn't complain. And in fact, he said, you're the first that always pushed harder to be better. And so I listened to him. Now I'm telling you this story now. I, this is probably 35 years ago or more. I don't even remember. But this experience was so powerful to me because it said so much to me about what happens when lower standards are set for one group of people over another. So he continued on. He said, you, you, you've, you've stepped up and led these 20 young people who are kind of scattered all over the place. You've pulled them together and you've led really well. He said, every time I'm expecting you to to, to, to not show up or to not be on point, he said, you proved me wrong over and over and over again. And it made me think in that moment, huh, I'm doing what anyone should be doing that has a focus on their career, a focus on exceeding the standards that are set. And so he went on and he said, this is the first time in my career, and I believe he'd been serving at that point for about eight years. He said, this is the first time in my career that I am giving a near-perfect evaluation to you. He said, because of your leadership, you have caused me to completely rethink how I view women in uniform. And that, that I got to tell you all, like that just stopped me. Because I thought for eight years, this guy who was moving up in leadership, this guy had never had an example of a woman who did, who, who exceeded the standards. Now, I don't blame the women for that. I blame the institution that set different standards for these two genders. We had different standards. Now, I know some of you who have served are like, well, you know, women aren't very strong and women can't do that and women can't do that and all of that stuff. Okay, I hear you. And we now have women who are pushing those barriers, who are now able to serve in combat roles. That was not something that was available to me when I was serving. We have women now that fly fighter aircraft. Not only do they fly fighter aircraft, but they also train other pilots, primarily men, to fly fighter aircraft. So why am I ranting about all of this? 
Because standards in any organization, and I'm sharing the Marine Corps experience, but in any organization, I've worked in organizations where there were different standards for African-American males than there were for Caucasian males. There were different standards for uh, Caucasian women than there were for Caucasian men, just to put this into a today's context. And so my experience listening to this leader who said to me, you completely flipped my idea of what women were capable of. You completely flipped it, turned it on its side. So on one level, I was so, I was, I was happy. I was proud, actually. Because as a result of that, what I had expect is that he would go back and set a new standard for the women and the men who reported to him. That he would no longer allow a low standard, not even of excellence, he just wouldn't allow a low standard to continue to exist and then people to only reach that standard barely. So if you wonder kind of a little bit more about this, check out episode eight because I talk more about the differences in standards. But I want you to just think about this. This leader had been leading for probably, I would say probably six or seven years, maybe six years. And I was the first woman that he had encountered that actually met and exceeded the standard on a regular basis, more I exceeded the standard. I was on point, ready to go all the time. And it was so powerful that it shifted his entire view of a group of people. Like, chew on that. What I did, just being the leader that I was then and that I tell him today, shifted his entire view of a group of people, and also caused him as the leader to decide that he would expect more of the women who served with him. So where in your, where in your leadership are your biases, and we all have biases, it's not, you know, we have unconscious bias, we have implicit bias, we have biases about people around us, we have biases about you know, people, we make snap judgments about people. We, we, it, it exists. So let's just call a thing a thing. It exists. It's real, right? And none of us are above it. I'm not, you're not, the president isn't, nobody's above it. We all have unconscious bias. So, but inside of your companies, inside your organizations, whether you're the CEO, whether you're a mid-level leader, whether you're an informal leader, that means someone who's having a lot of impact on people, but you may not have the title. Where in your organizations are there different standards where one group of people is treated differently than another group of people, where maybe one group of people gets celebrated and accolades all the time for their amazing things, but the other group never gets acknowledged at all, but their jobs, their uh, contributions are equally important. Where in your organizations, where in your leadership have you set up an environment or a culture in which one group is celebrated over another, or conversely, one group is demonized when another is not. It can be by gender, it can be by race, it can be by sexual orientation, it can be by, oh my goodness, it can be by education, it can be by geography, it can be by accent, lots and lots and lots of different ways that unconscious bias can create different standards inside of our organization. So my challenge to you is to just start to reflect 
where are people, where is their animosity and bitterness and anxiety inside of my organization? Now, you know where it is. <laughs> so where is it? And how is your leadership or the leadership of those who you have leading under you, how is their leadership contributing to it? And what needs to be done differently so that everybody in your organization or everybody in whatever environment you're in, everybody is working um, at the, with the same set of standards, the same set of outputs, the same set of expectations. Sure, it might take a little bit to get people trained and educated and to get that mindset right, but it's worth it. Because just like me being who I was for that male leader, I cannot imagine how many women he then decided to mentor better, to push, to do better. And in him pushing, they may have become better professionals, better contributors, better even for themselves. So it matters. It really does matter. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.